It's time to go into auto reverse. It's Tony and Matt. When we look at bands that are underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, and to some unknown. This week, we're going auto reverse on Cool in the Gang. So you may be wondering, why are we doing a Cool in the Gang episode? I mean, everyone knows them, but Tony, do they know them? Do they really know Cool in the Gang? No way. I mean, someone that really loves Cool in the Gang knows Cool in the Gang, and someone that really loves funk and soul knows them. Uh, But does the average person know them? Probably not. I mean, these guys went through many but I would different. even say the even the above average person may just kind of, you know, think of them with the Joanna, Too Hot, Celebration, yeah. and that genre because that's when they really kind of peak. But you know, when you peel back the layers of this delicious onion, they they've been around for a long time. And uh, the Bell Brothers, Robert and who's the one actually named Cool and Ronald, dude, did you know they started in '64? Yeah, yeah. Um, I did. There's a know. little confusion. There's a little. Con- I no. I, I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know that until I read it uh, recently. But uh, <laughs> I there's a little confusion there. Like they were from Youngstown, Ohio. Then they moved to Manhattan. Then they moved to Jersey City. I can't. There's a little bit of confusion there because there's that part where they. They 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 were talking about um, their their dad and their um, right. uh, the Bell Brothers' dad and their uncle were tight with with Miles Davis because uh, the dad and the uncle were boxers. Right. So uh, Miles Davis, who was like wanted to be a boxer, I guess at some point, he liked uh, used to hang out with them in the same building. That uh, I'm assuming it was in in um, in the East Village somewhere because Thelonious Monk lived in the same building and Thelonious Monk is Robert's godfather. So I feel like they went from Youngstown to Manhattan and then to Jersey city. If, and, and and maybe change, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. No, I think like it, it it start. there's a, there's a circuitous path that kind of goes to Jersey city, but Jersey city is where it kicked off. And cause that's where they met with us. you know, Spike T.T., uh, D.T., uh, Westfield, and Brown and Smith to create the band. And it was funny because they started in 64 and they went through a, a bunch of different names. They were the Jazziacs, then the New Dimensions, then the Soul Town Band, then Cool in the cool Flames. Cool in the Flames. Cool in the Flames. <laughs> <laughs> Which I actually like Which, better than the band, but, you know, that's just kind of a cooler name. Their manager said it sounded too much like... Uh, James Brown and the James Brown and the flame and the and the flames, right? So right. that's why I think he uh, he sense. told them to, ch- yeah. Then that manager was the guy that started D Light Records, the label that they were on. Um, yeah, for who many years. I, for many years, and D Light also put out Crown Heights Affair and a bunch of other like kind of cool stuff. Um, no, no kidding. I'd like to I'd like to dig in on that at some point. The history of that label, D Light. All right. Well. Let's keep our, right let, let's keep our eyes on this table, <laughs> ta- the, set, the setting on this table, because the the cool thing is, is like 
Yeah, they've been. They started in '64, and they played out and became fairly popular. They were opening up for you know a lot of different acts, but they didn't really come out with their self-titled first album until '69, um, mm-hmm. and which they got their first single with the the song named after the, the titular song or eponymous song, "Cool in the Gang," um, and I think what when we talk about the two eras of Cool in the Gang, there is this era of jazz, soul, and funk Cool in the Gang that is pretty untouchable in terms of how well they played together as a band. Because their first two albums have a lot. Because their second album, which was kind of a, a kind of a like a cool move, they do a live album for their second album, Live at the Sex Machine. Uh, but what a great live album that and the one after uh, i guess they did two live yeah. albums right one after another PJs, yeah. both those records are incredible just from doing the playlist i i found myself going back to the live albums live at pj's live at the sex machine um and let's let, let's let's just mention one thing since i have a connection to jersey city i grew up in the town next to jersey city bayonne new jersey and these guys all met at lincoln high school where I took, I think I, yeah, I did. I took an SAT exam at Lincoln High School because okay. I missed the original one at my high school. I had to go to Lincoln High School. Lincoln High School is predominantly, and I think it still is a black high school in, in Jersey City. So that's where those guys all met. Um, but yeah, so I'm sorry. I had to make the Bayonne no, Jersey City No, I know, I know, I know. I, I know that Jersey people love to kind of bring in... <laughs> They love to honk the horn when they, when they see a, a car that's from the same plate with the same plates. <laughs> that's right. Um, but you know, this band went many many years until they got into the iteration that became more famous. And this is you know, they were very successful just without uh, you know from the band that they were that was just mostly instrumental. I mean, they you know you look at Wild and Peaceful that had that's the where they did Jungle Boogie and uh, funky stuff. Um, and it wasn't until, um, you know, uh, 79, which is a good 10 years after that they brought in JT Taylor. That's right. And, uh, and, uh, Umir Diodato, um, uh, a Brazilian keyboard player who was a major CTI, uh, CTI records, uh, session player. He produced that album and, and I feel had a major hand in, and getting them you know to right. cross over because he himself even just as a as a keyboard player mostly an instrument you know instrumental guy he was having some crossover hit right. hits as well um so like i think he you know and i love emir diodato he's amazing like uh th- that's another guy that maybe we should uh you know give the uh auto reverse treatment at some point it's he like list. really i think he really yeah he i think he really helped them cr- cross over um, but yeah, uh, bringing JT in that too, you know, getting a real, uh, vocalist, but I think you mentioned the album wild and wonderful, right? Yeah. Um, that, that to me, wild was and peaceful, sorry, on. wild and peaceful, wild and peaceful. Yeah. Yeah. That, that to me was the, I think at the, the point where maybe they started to think we should cross over cause like they had. That album was the most successful to that point um, for them. Jungle Boogie, um, funky stuff. Uh, even though it was still part of that sort of hard funk, you know, aggressive right. uh, uh, playbook that they were they were they were using, it, you could tell like something happened there where like, oh wait, maybe we 
could be pop stars. You know what I mean? And then, like you're right, Ladies Night in 79, boom, then yeah. it happened. And I think the album before that, awful, Everyone's Dancing, just didn't, it, it seemed like that trick that they were being, that they were doing before was kind of running out. And because that album isn't as strong as the ones that came before it or came after it. So it was kind of one of those bridge uh, albums that kind of said, maybe a Crossroads album to where they were like, look, we either got to think of new spins on what we're doing or do what we've been doing and do songs that are better than it, or we need to freshen things up a little bit. And it was a great move because they went from being a successful band to Stratosphere band to where they were just, you heard them all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think also part of their their desire to cross over maybe came from that Open Sesame record and mm -hmm. making um, music during the disco era and 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 attempting to make disco music themselves. I like I, like a, you know, Open Sesame is a prime example. And then they actually the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack uses the Open Sesame song. It's on the it's on the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. So I think I think things were changing. Disco was happening. And like and like you said, their their old playbook, which I think is an amazing playbook, and and they should always be remembered for that as well. Um, I I think it was falling out of fashion, and you know people were crossing over into into disco and then crossing over into pop. But yeah, Ladies Night was really like but, you you're know, right. That was like the stratosphere for them. You know, another thing is too, it is not easy being a predominantly instrumental band. You get a you get a vocalist on there that takes a lot of weight off. You can play around with things a lot more. You have different counter rhythms and different kind of melodies that you can play with, because doing what you know, they already put the, the rolled up their sleeves and went to the you know went to the coal mines to get all those great hits from from the instrumentals from the first four or five albums. But man, you can't like doing that kind of stuff where it's predominantly instrumental. That's hard work, and it's not something that you know, you need to find ways to be inspired. So I think it was also a shift just to get them going in a direction that would kind of recharge the band. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there was, yeah, inspiration was was a factor. Money. Um, money? And you're, and you're right, there's a lot of hard work. And, or maybe not money, but like, I don't know, maybe they wanted to make more money. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure you, that's you a call factor. yourself cool with a K. You're not worried about money. It's cool with the C worries about money. <laughs> cool with the K doesn't. <laughs> it's fun. It's funny. It's funny. I never understood like why they they had that name, but now well, I know that it was his nickname. But yeah. now, as it turns out, when I read when I dug deeper, they they wanted to appeal to the their grittier the grittier side of where they lived in jersey right. city so they named their band cool and the gang to give it like a street gang kind of wow. vibe uh I, that that's what it says in the in, in wikipedia uh, you'd have to ask them if that's true well, that that I you mean, know that that's why they did that but yeah they're like and then we call our second album live at sex machine that could do it too <laughs> I mean, and if they were trying not to be confused with James Brown, fuck, man, why call why call yeah. a second album by the sex?
let's talk about this for a second. They recorded anonymously on that Lightning Rods, the Hustlers Convention record, where the last oh, poets do all man. the the sort of pr- prosy kind of um, you know be poetry kind of stuff over over Kuna Gang playing. I lo- I love that record. That is a beat diggers like classic, uh, um, and in one of the reasons I really was, became fascinated with Kuna Gang is because I I read that they had recorded anonymously on that on that record. Um, well, you know, and then later that. on, I read I read about Iceberg Slim. I read Iceberg Slim oh, and oh stuff my. and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff sort that, of appealed. Yeah. yeah, all that stuff sort of appealed to me. We all went through that pimp reading phase. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, hey, so what do you like? How was your? Because I don't think anyone there's unless you're older, older or most people come in to Cole and the gang through the the hits rather than the older stuff like how, what was your kind of way, introduction into cool and the gang to to, to way, both to, to both ones yeah to, there there's two there's two ways i came the first the first way originally was listening to the jungle brothers um done by the no not done by the forces of nature uh straight out the jungle their first record when i first bought that record and i think in an eight in 88 i think it was 88 or 87 i can't remember when i first bought that record they that album is amazing um and i was like there and there were all these like crazy samples on there and i and then i was like what is this so it's like uh um i was trying to i was trying to figure out where the samples were coming from and then i realized that there's like three um cool gang samples on the album and I was like, I don't know this Cool in the Gang shit. Like, I know Cool in the Gang from Ladies Night and Celebration and, and all this stuff, but I didn't know this, like, hard funk and right. soul period of theirs. So it was the Jungle Brothers, um, straight out the jungle, that got that sort of informed me on th- this era of their, of their, of their history. I, di- I didn't know. And then the other track, which I'll never forget... Um, like listening to, uh, I think it was on BLS, The Quiet Storm, right. which was a late night, low key, almost ballady, sweet soul show, uh, mix show. I heard Summer Madness, mm-hmm. the song, and I was blown the fuck away. I was like, what is this? I know that uh, that the Fresh Prince <laughs> sampled it later for that song, for his hit, Summertime. Um, uh, right. Um, you know, uh, what, what's his name? Um, Jazzy, yeah. uh, yeah, not Jazzy, uh, what, whatever. Will Smith. Yeah. Will Smith, yeah. yeah. Well, it, so I know he sampled it later, but when I first heard that song originally on that mix show, it was another sort of like mind blowing moment where I was like, I never, I didn't know this about Cool and the Gang. I didn't, yeah. I just didn't, and you know. So it's like the thing about them, and and very much like Mandrill, like the 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 episode that we recorded about a week ago. Um, they were so all over the place. They, had, they, 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 they seamlessly would transition from one style to another, and their and their the mm-hmm. depth of their playing. It just, it just, you know, that's the thing about them. It's that I learned all these these aspects of their history through different, just different anecdotal moments, just like, and and that's why I love. That's why I love this band. It's like I, they re the way they were revealed to me was sort of by accident and over time. And, right. and like, and like I said, even now doing the playlist, 
I'm going back to the live records. I'm like, holy shit, these fucking live, like Funky Granny and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of like, I'm like, I, I, I'm still learning like how, just how good they are. Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 quite a eye-opening thing in in ways because mine was some, somewhat similar in terms of the, just the reveal of the 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 first half of the band. You know, at the, after being introduced to the the one that you know the pop hit machine, um, like I you know like most probably kids you know got to know Cool and the Gang from Celebration and uh, went to see them live a couple summers at Blossom, which was an outdoor thing in Calgary Falls and. I think it was on the emergency tour, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. um, which I think was like the last tour or something like JT, the last album JT was on. I'm not 100% sure. But anyhow, you know, I liked it. I liked them. I thought they were good, snappy songs, good pop songs, great singing and everything. You know, not any, something that I was always happy when it came on, but I would say this. It wasn't something that I thought was, it's not something that I liked in a substantial way. I liked in a very temporary, in the moment, song would come on, I'd like it, and then it would pass. It would leave me, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't, I wouldn't, it didn't stick with me very much, even though I got the seven inch of cele- celebration, and I don't know, I just, I, I liked them, but they weren't someone who I was really passionate about. Now, when I was, fast forward to when I was in my 30s, I worked at this agency and this one guy who delivered a mail noticed I had a little record player and he said, oh, you got, you got some vinyl and you saw some of my stuff. He's like, oh man, you got, I'm sure you've heard of Cool in the Gang. I'm like, well, of course I heard Cool in the Gang. He's like, no, 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 man. Early Cool in the Gang. He's like, they would blow, they, they were just like, if you like funk and soul, they were, they were, they were, there was hardly anyone better in the game. I'm like, like better than Earth, Wind, and Fire, and every he's like, no, I'm like almost on par with James Brown. I'm like, what? I'm like, and so he's like, look, I got vinyl of all this stuff, and he made me a CD. He made me about four or five CDs of them, and brought it in like two days later, and I still have them, even though I, I burned them. I for whatever reason won't give them away, but it was like a revelation. It's almost like, especially the first song I heard from them was the Penguin. And I'm like, this is cool in the gang. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like this, because there's a, there's an attitude, there's a soul, but there's a tightness that is like, there's not any, not even like a half beat off or anything wasted. It is tight as tight. Even the live stuff, which is even more remarkable, because they're like the song pneumonia, um, too, man. It's just like it's something that is. You can't stop listening to, and it's something you can't stop thinking about. Like the, the the older stuff is something for me has a lot more bearing on what my sensibilities or what I like in music. You know what I mean? I, it's it has a, a craftsmanship uh, and thoughtfulness that it's just like this is this is what I'm listening is to unique, even though the form funk is not very unique. You know, but they their brand of it, especially with their horn arrangements, man. I mean, dude, they 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 may give the horny horns a run for their money, man. That they are their arrangements and such. Like I would probably still favor Fred uh, Fred Wesley, but in terms of the arrangement department, but they're not far behind, man. Like that is some of the stuff, especially again on the live stuff. You know, uh, raw hamburger. I mean, it's just like so many, so many of the songs on there. I just like with the playlist, I was blown away by like it made sense how they had their stuff where they were doing stuff that was completely new and out of the box and decided to go more of a pop route for 
money or whatever, but the basis of what they already had. So I, I really owe it to this guy, Gary, because he, he, he just, he laid it all on me and it just like, it was one of those things where, I don't like to say I got my mind blown, but it, it rearranged my thinking a lot, which is good because you want that in music. And I love, especially when you have your preconceived notions of cool in the gang. And then, then you're like, no nah, man, cool in the gang. Like they, the, the way I even say their name now has changed because it's just they're they're worthy of much more, you know, respect. And I didn't even know they were around in the in the sixties as well. So there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of treats in the pl playlist. Not just the stuff that you know, but the stuff that you don't know are the things I think you're gonna walk away just smiling ear ear with and listening to for many years to come. It's a substantial too. I had a lot of. It took me days to put that playlist together because I, I found myself listening a lot to to this not just th dumping them on there like you know give it a giving it a 10 second drop i was like actually going through it and listening it took me days to put it together and and like i said there it, i was still f f after all these years after thinking i knew a lot everything or a lot about them you know those the live records music uh was it music and the message right uh, just like certain records that I just didn't like didn't know that well and it was really it was a great experience to go back and kind of like and listen to it and really appreciate their genius the other thing i wanted to mention is in the 90s during the cd explosion um i was working at columbia house and i remember getting these promos from mercury records called funky stuff and they were like compilations and it was a couple. It was a compilation series, but it was also like they were reissuing specific albums and right. best ofs, and they were sort of going back and using CDs to reassess a lot of these bands. And Cool the Gang was one of them. I guess they had a, a licensing deal with Delight, uh, Mercury did, and 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 there were a lot of bands like that that were getting the reassessment treatment during the CD period. And it was it was like stuff like right. like Cool the Gang, Cameo, right. Confunction. Bar case, and they all had similar arcs. Um, sort of arcs in that they started off as like like super like funky soulful bands, and then sort of like you know rode the wave of the of changing uh, tastes, and 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 made like I mean fucking cameo had hits in the eighties, uh, right. fifteen twenty years after That's they started. Point. And so, so a lot of these bands did that, and and um, you know, it's 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 interesting, right? To it's like it's like when you when you when you like you know, like when you think of your parents or something, right? And you're like, ah, my parents are fucking old, but then you go back thirty years, and they were like, <laughs> you know, you see pictures of them, and you're like, they're like smoking and drinking, or they're or they're dancing in someone's basement, and you're like, man, my parents were kind of cool and that's kind of like that that same reassessment happens with some of these bands where you don't realize that like they were cool but but then as i get older i like this i like ladies night you know and i i didn't know that fucking diodato recorded uh ladies night i found that out later because i became obsessed with diodato in the last like 10 15 years and i found and then and it, it got mentioned that he recorded that record so it's like that's the beauty of all this. It's like your your tastes change, your perceptions change, then you get more philosophical, and then you and then you can fully understand and appreciate the genius of a lot of these bands. Yeah, and some of the things that they went through as well. I mean, 
I, you know, that's that's interesting to hear about, about those other bands. I have to check that because I didn't know that they had a similar arc. I wonder if they were as tight as like Cool and the Gang were, and then basically said, "Well, this is fun. This kind of mastery is fun, but we're not making any money. We're still driving around in the van, so maybe we should, you know, kind of pop shit up a little bit." And you know, I I, I get it because it's not an easy life. Um, let me ask you this. This is kind of a silly question. You know, we kind of once in a while talk. We do food analogies of bands, right? Mm-hmm. Would you have one for Cool and the Gang? Because you know, like when I think of them, I think of them like a, um, you know, I don't know. I always think of them like what are those things called? Those 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 chocolate. Um, uh, Sto- what is this with thing? the cherries, with the no, cherries, no, with the, the the dripping thing, the chocolate mountain. What is it called? Where it's like dripping and you can stick fruit and shit in there and marshmallow. Oh yeah, like a like a chocolate waterfall or chocolate uh... waterfall. But I would say it was made. <laughs> I would say it was like a, more like a dark dark chocolate one because it looks like it's cheap and it's sweet, but there's a little bit more taste and substance to it, you know, because it's a refined. It's a different. It's a more refined kind of chocolate. That's a, probably a horrible well, thing, but that's I. I <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing about them that doesn't make me. It's not. It's doesn't. Feel, that's not sweet, and it makes me. And it brings a smile on my face. I lo- I have a sweet tooth, so as my A1C number will attest. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that them is like this high grade chocolate waterfall. That's plenty. It seems like there's plenty. There's plenty for the, you to sink your teeth into. It's never. It's continuously flowing. Um, and it goes good with almost everything. Oh man, that this is t- this is tough. Um, I would compare them more, not to a food, okay. but to a drink. I would compare them to a very, a, a to a brandy. Oh yeah, like- yeah, but not not super sweet. Not yeah. super sweet. Uh, it's a little bit just off. Just, just like maybe a Spanish brandy. Spanish brandy. Would you a still? Spanish would, brandy. Would still have a snifter. Would still be in the snifter, right? Yeah, we, I'd want. I, I'd I, in a like a little like it. Not a. It's you know with a stem. The, the, so the glass yes. has to have a stem, so you could use the stem to to shake it around. And but a little bit of a of a stout, like a more like stubby glass. Right. Um, to really let let that thing swirl in there, um, and something old, it's got to be about at least twenty, thirty years old. How much? I look at them more yeah. like that, considering when they started, true, and where they wound up. Um, it, I would consider, I would, I would call them a brandy, and that, and what what's confusing about that <laughs> is that <laughs> their slot they they had a major slide there at the you know yeah, like yeah, yeah. 79 into 82 83 and then jt left and then there was that slide right where like they just slid right out of the top 40 um but that's that's the thing it's easy to say oh that's shitty that you know they became you know has-beens but you know what man the 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 nuts and bolts of that band the the the, the soul of that band is solid like a 30 40 year old bottle of brandy it is solid it's just so it's so good and i would use a more i would use a drink analogy more than a food analogy on this one yeah, that's good I, I i understand and you know given in our uh 
habit of doing, you know, this, obviously this, it, this episode was spawned on or instigated by the death of one of the founders, Ronald, who passed away in, um, I think, uh, a couple of weeks ago, right? Last week. Yeah. yeah a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that said, if you guys have your own analogies of what you feel like about, um, cool in the game, please let us know, you know, send us an email at autoreversepod at gmail.com or let us know on, on, um, Facebook or Instagram. We'd love to hear what you guys think of uh, Cool in the Game, especially after you listen to the playlist, because it's, uh, it is a journey that it will, it's, I tell you, it takes, I've, I've listened to it basically every day for the last four days. It's so good. Uh, um, that makes me happy. Yeah, like listening to it straight then on shuffle and everything, and it's, it's, it's a fun playlist, and it really brings out what made this, this band one of the great bands of all time, so... Yeah, listen to it and let us know what you think. All right, peace.